Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Strickland Podcast Network's uh, Mailbag, Mail.Bag. Um, I'm your host, Jeremy Cohen, and joined with me, as always, is uh, my good friend, my mortal enemy, and my favorite lover, Schwinnipu. Schwin, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I, you know, just watching uh, our Lakers play the Mavericks, so, you know, could be worse, could be worse. Uh, I don't know. Just rooting for the Mavericks. Well, they're down so many players as is, especially Luca. But it's a shame that this couldn't. I mean, this was last year's Mavericks team, and then they got better. But with the pick and everything, it also sucks because um, you know, kid is the coach, so it feels like they're probably I don't know, they're like fourteen and thirteen. I really think they can go off the rails, kind of like us, kind of like the Knicks. They could do it. I believe in them. Well, I'm glad that you brought it back to the Knicks because uh, we've got a lot of things to discuss with this team. Um, a lot of great questions and whatnot on Discord. So, yes. uh, a lot of great questions, a lot of interesting questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> so, first, we've got AJ in VA. Uh, who do we think will be the first trade domino to fall? Is everyone waiting for Maury? Um, I kind of feel like it's going to be something minor. Like it's not going to be this huge deal. I just don't see how I don't understand what Philly's path is to getting a top 25 player because of the market, because of who's available. I think the play in tournament has gotten to the point where it's really hard for teams to just kind of give in because why do that when they can make a push and have something to play for, unless you're so far out of it that you might as well do it like Portland. Maybe they have a change of heart and they realize Dame is not the player they want to keep building around. But that's also a decision you could make much more easily in the off season when you don't have to worry about contracts, when as much, you know, 
midseason deals are tricky. So I, I kind of feel like it's going to be something anticlimactic. Like, I don't know, um, like a Bagley for Diallo type trade. It was like, all right, no one's going to win that one. But like we've started trade trade markets here. Hooray. But other than that, I just I don't think it's going to be Philly because I think if he's dragged it out this long, he'll do it longer. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. A lot of people were like, "Oh, like I, I thought. I think uh, what was it? Woj last week had that random tweet about Ben Simmons, and people were like, "Oh man, like something's lined up." And I was like, "I don't really think anything's lined up. Seems like Philly still trying to create a market, um, which is you know." Then there was the Shams report this week that oh, the Knicks and like the Lakers and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they're real. Like I'm sure there's there's interest in Ben Simmons. Um, I'm not sure that interest goes far beyond letting them know that you're interested. Um, yeah, as far as like, I feel, I mean, I, I'm assuming his question is like, is there a serious trade domino? Um, that uh, I'm, I'm not sure who that first domino will be. Um, <clears throat> I, I do think that. I do think that there could be a lot more movement in the player in trading than than people anticipate just because free agency is basically dead now. So teams know that their best vehicle for acquiring players is through trades, really. Uh, and you have to be active and you've got to be probably a bit more willing to shake things up than teams have been in the past. Um, like, I know a, a lot of those reports sound insane. Like the one what was it Begley talked about how or he reported that the you know the, the Mavericks had tried to engage Brooklyn on a trade for Kyrie, and then there's stuff about Russell Westbrook floating out there, and like you know, trade talks happen. So it's like you know, it could just be as simple as Dallas calling Brooklyn and just being like, "Hey, like, are you do you have any interest in trading Kyrie Irving?" And like, would Chris Porzingis interest you? And like, it doesn't need to be some real serious down the line. Like they've really worked through the nuts and bolts of it. Um, but I mean, things like that don't get reported. Like I, it's easy to say that's bullshit and kind of just like leave it at that. But I, I don't know. It, there's, there's so much floating around out there. Um, I know Indiana's owner came out today and suggested they're totally not going to trade anybody. I'm willing to call bullshit on that. We'll see how that ends up. Um, you know, I think something like not a major domino, but I feel like something like Cam Reddish getting traded could definitely be a first domino to activity. Um, obviously not the biggest name on the market, but look, we've been hearing now for like over a year that they'll totally trade Cam Reddish for a first round pick. Like they'll do it, you know, like if anybody, if anybody meets their price, they'll do it. They don't want to pay Cam Reddish. Uh, they've already paid, you know, they paid what Herder they paid. They gave Capella an extension. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. they paid Trey. Trey I have to pay DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. And James that's another Donald. guy that was floated in that same rumor is like, Hey, you know, maybe they would be willing to listen to trade offers for him. Um, I, I don't know. Atlanta just feels like more so than the Knicks, because I know the Knicks paid guys, but it's a little bit different. They don't have extensions on the books that are looming. Really? Like Randall's is the only one. Um, other than that, the only extension that's looming is RJ, which wouldn't kick in until 2023, 24. And at that point, you're probably still just looking at what Randall, RJ, and maybe Fournier, if he's still here, as your major contracts on your books. Like, there's nothing on their books right now 
that you would say on the pipeline for like major money at that point in time anyway. Um, Atlanta's different. They've already paid their guys. They've, they're locked in. Uh, they probably are in a position where they need to start moving furniture, uh, consolidating. And um, look, they're they're off to a. It's it's funny, like looking around the league, the Knicks are definitely disappointing, but there are a lot of disappointing teams, and Atlanta's among them. Um, you know, I I thought they'd be a lot better than they have been, but I did think it was a possibility that like you've got too many guys. They just have too many guys, and I do think they have too many guys. Like Okongwu isn't even fucking playing yet, and he's well, he was a sixth pick or whatever where the, where the fuck he was, he was a sixth pick yeah yeah he was a sixth pick a year ago and you know they're not even playing him yet because he's just rehabbing an injury so i don't know who or like i don't know what but if i was gonna guess a team i would guess atlanta well the other thing too and you're right i mean bogdanovich is also another guy who they paid they gave him a lot of money they even gave him a trade kicker if i recall and they've got Gallinari on a non-guaranteed contract for not this season, well, this season, but also next year. But they probably uh, guarantee it for next year, right? Because like, well, so that's the funny thing about it, right? Like, if we're talking about the Hawks, like we are another team that's willing to spend, right? Like the Clippers or even the Knicks, because it's not about like Dolan's not frugal; he just wants to spend on the right team. I, I'm looking at Atlanta's payroll. A lot of right a lot now. of growth from Dolan there. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um. So Atlanta has five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys under contract. If you guarantee Gallinari for one hundred and fifty million dollars, uh, for context, I mean the tax line is probably going to be one forty two, one forty three, something along there. So, so that's like what, like a Dellen Wright cap dump away almost. Well, Dellen Wright's uh, off the books after this year. But the point oh. being is like if they wanted to function as a team that just didn't care about money they could guarantee Gallinari and use him as salary filler along with, you know, um, Cam Reddish and try to then be in the the, con- the conversation for, like, who is a, a not great but very good player we could get? You know, I mean, they probably need a wing that can help them because at this point, I don't really know how often you can trust DeAndre Hunter. Like, he's, he's the type of player who, when healthy, can just be a really good performer, but I and don't think his honest, mid-range is going to be the we same. Even, we don't even know what he is, really. Like, he right. plays, played, like, what, like, 30 games last year? And I, I know he played, what, the first round of the playoffs? But then he got hurt again, didn't he? He did. He got hurt in the second round. And that's yeah. the thing. It's like, I I think that DeAndre Hunter, without his mid-range game, which was on fire last year, like yeah. we're seeing with Especially Randall. against the Knicks. Exactly. That's you can cool. see there's a good player in there, but what his his end goal is. I don't really know. I mean, it also helps the Hawks if they want to keep him long-term because with the injuries, they could probably get a better deal. But even still, if you pay him, you're like, let's say they pay him $18 million, $15 million, add that to the 2023 salary that they have. And it's still getting up there. So they've got to be, they're one of the teams that also like the Knicks has to consolidate, but it's very different because they can't consolidate it. Like, the right star that works for them doesn't exist in my mind, right? Like they need, um, does Ingram exist. Well, we're going to get to Ingram later. Well, yeah. All right. But we'll, we'll keep it for now. But, um, yeah. So maybe, maybe the first domino is something like that. I mean, I think, I think, I think the Pelican stuff is real because like they, here's the thing with the Pelicans too. is like, who the fuck knows what they think? Because look, I mean, whatever you want to say about David Griffin, it's not his fault that Zion just doesn't give a shit and is fat right now. Like, 
like I people like I don't know how you can blame that on David Griffin because there's a certain modicum of just like self like your own professional responsibility needs to kick in. And if you're a professional athlete, the, the basic thing that you have to do, just like the one basic thing you have to do is just be in shape. That's it. Like everything else, yeah, you have an excuse and there's reasons and what but you gotta be in shape. He's not in shape. I don't put that on him. Um also like, like this entire season's just been it's fun to make fun of them and like have a good chuckle about it. Um, but like he can't predict a lot of that stuff, right? Like, I mean, they've just had so many injuries. Ingram has missed time. Zion obviously hasn't played it all yet. Um, there's somebody else. They, they, they have, they've had a bunch of fucking injuries, right? It's been like random skeleton squad stuff going on there. I think Kyra Lewis got hurt too. Not that he's been amazing or anything, but he's out for the year. Yeah. He's out for the year. Like they just have a bunch of shit going on. And um, like, it would not surprise me if at some point they're just like, look, like we've got to just scale this thing back because we don't know what the hell is going on with Zion, which is another entire like wild card in itself. Right. Like what if they're just like, yeah, actually Zion has no interest in being here and we probably need to get rid of him and we don't trust him because he's 7,000 pounds overweight. Like these are all reasonable, feasible things they could think. Um, I think they're a complete wild card. They can go so many ways because there's also a possibility they're like, you know what? We got to show these guys like we want to win. Like we're just gonna go for it right now. I know there was a rumor today that they talked to some. They talked to the Sixers about Ben Simmons. I kind of, I, I think I'm willing to call bullshit on that. Um, but yeah, I mean that it's all there, right? Like they're, they're they can go any any way. There's so many ways they can go. So, um, I don't I don't know. Though like them and the Hawks, they just see and and the Kings. Like those are the three teams where. I just feel like they need to make some move and there's some like tension in all of those places to a certain degree. Like the Knicks have tension, but I think the Knicks tension is a little bit, it's a little bit different to me. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a homer, but like, I don't sense it. Like, I don't think Leon Rose's job is hanging in the balance. Um, And I know people will think like, how the fuck can Atlanta's GM's job be hanging in the balance? Because they're about to be they they paid all this money to be a certain level of good. And this is not just like, oh, well, the Knicks paid Fournier and they paid Kemba. It's like, no, but like like you mentioned, they're gonna be over the fucking luxury tax line next year, probably, if they guarantee Galinari. So it's a different level of commitment they've made. And it's great they made the conference finals last year. But the point is that the conference finals were supposed to be, okay, we made the conference finals now. This is a platform to continue being good. Like, this is not like, oh, like the Knicks made the one seed and now they're maybe going to be a play-in team or miss the play-in cutoff. Like, it's a lot bigger of a deal to go from a conference finalist to, like, are we sure we're even going to win a playoff series? Um, And the money at stake. And also just, like, the timeline. Because this is kind of, like, the point in their build uh, where you would make a big move. So in that sense, I think there's pressure to get it done right now. And within this year, that doesn't mean that they win a championship this year or even compete this year. But I think they do have the pressure to make a big move this year. Um, I think the Pelicans, obviously, there's all kinds of reasons there's pressure. Uh, the fact that David Griffin's job is probably in the balance, which maybe might mean, you know, that he he's not actually allowed to do anything. Uh, and then the Kings are the Kings. Like they, uh, who's their Monty McNair? He he actually hasn't done anything really uh, since he's gotten in there like he hasn't made any big move the biggest move he made was to not match on the bogdanovich offer sheet and then i guess bringing back rashawn holmes that's it so it feels like you know you've been there for a year about now 
might be time to make a big move with a lot of the things going on with them. So um, those are the three teams I feel like, I guess that's a cop-out, but if I was looking at three teams or looking at a few teams as candidates for who could make that move, uh, I think it would be those three. Yeah, and I do think the one thing for Atlanta's benefit is that they don't have to trade Cam Reddish this season. They can do it next year. They don't have to make this big push for a player that might complete them because Travis Schlenk is getting a contract extension because Nate McMillan is getting a contract extension or I mean, they've already received it. Um, Trey Young is getting paid. John Collins is getting paid. Like the nice thing for them is that they have a margin of error where like, okay, this isn't our year. That really sucks, but we're still in prime position to do something. But I'm with you with New Orleans. They could go a number of different ways. The fact that David Griffin's job is maybe more in the uh, kind of in the balance of what's going on might be a problem for them. But I don't envy the fact that they have to deal with Zion really this offseason because that's when he's first eligible for a max contract. And, and if you don't offer it, then right. So if you don't offer it, then Zion's gonna be like, OK, I'll just hit the open market. And I'm sure some team is going to be willing to take a chance on me. And, you know, even if that team is like, we figure the Pelicans are just going to match, then you're looking at a situation where the Pelicans either lock into a player for four years on a max contract who, you know, will have missed what will probably be the majority of his rookie skill contract, worked for a guy like Joel Embiid, but it's scary what he's what Zion's going through and the fact that his body is just, I, look, I understand that he's not as heavy as it was reported and that kind of like mellow back in the day where the warm up gear that he'd wear or even just during the games, like it'd make him look fatter than he really is. But still, like, even if you take that aside, there are serious issues with his lower body. And I do not want to be in the position that New Orleans is in, which they offer him a max contract that he'll take because of the risk that's involved or they don't offer it and they risk alienating the best player they've drafted since, I guess, I mean, is it slanderous to say Chris Paul and not Anthony Davis? I guess, no, <laughs> no I'll say it. <laughs> but for, for the sake of it, I'll say Anthony yeah. Davis. Um, that's just, I don't envy them. But at the same time, you know, Brandon Ingram moving him with three and a half years left, I don't see it really happening. Valanchunas, they just traded for, but hey, he's 29 years old. At what point do they say like, okay, this is a good move in theory, but if we're not going to have Zion and we're going to have Valanciunas just tearing it up, should we see if we can actually sell high on him? Because maybe they could get a they could get better value they than from what they got him didn't for. They? they did. They gave him a two-year, $30 million extension. And so, it's paying it, off. I mean, they could flip him right now, and I'm sure that he'd have more value right now than he did when they acquired him this past offseason. Is there any like weird restrictions about trading him? Uh, no. he. It's not like uh, Brogdon. He should be able to be dealt. Okay. Um, Brogdon can't be moved until April. So that's obviously later on. But um, yeah. And I, you know, I hate to give credit to David Griffin because I still feel like everything that is good that has happened with him has just fallen into his lap. But the Josh Hart contract is phenomenal. Like just the way that they created it, where it's a non guarantee in a second year and a player option, or it's like a mutual option in the third. It's just really fascinating and it hasn't been done before so that was very creative but yeah you know i mean other than that they're they're probably just i mean they're going to be a tanking team 
And I don't even know if they're going to sell off the pieces because if they do, then Zion's going to be like, well, hello, I know I was injured, but you still can't wait for me. What's the deal? So they feel like a team where in the offseason, they reassess where Zion's at. They see where their pick is, the player that they're drafting. Like if they got Chet, would they really keep Valanciunas or would they trade him and get, I don't know, like a legitimate point guard? Because I still don't think Devontae Graham is going to be more of an answer for them. There are a lot of different directions they could go. I just don't. That's why I'm skeptical that a lot of things might happen this year because of the lack of free agency, because of the fact that there's the play-in tournament. It just feels like, unless it's a team like the Kings, and I'm with you there, where oftentimes each regime makes a big move and the Kings haven't done anything other than, as you said, letting Bogdanovich go and bringing Holmes back, which was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, they're, so, they're, yeah, they're not big moves in the grand scheme of things. Right. So, But I, I'm sure we'll... Well, the Bogdanovich move is a big move, but it's like a move where you did nothing, which actually just amplifies the pressure probably because he looked pretty good last year in Atlanta and then you guys sucked and you continue to suck. So, And you did nothing and you got rewarded for it by Woj, which was so ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, you know, great move by Monty McNair in his first time as GM, not caving in and giving a contract. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You, whatever. Um, All right, let's move on. We got a question from Mikey Cooks. Uh, who wins in a slap boxing fight, Robin Lundberg or Tyrese? Uh, it. I hate that I am giving Tyrese a victory here, but I, I just have to go with Tyrese. You know, listen, he's younger. Um, he's taller. He I, mean, he's, I don't know how tall Lundberg is, but I think Tyrese is like six foot something. Probably. I, I like. I don't know. Ty, the way Tyrese tweets, he carries himself as if he's tall. Um, really, he that makes sense. such a dweeb. He That's actually a good like point. Like no, he, he tweets four. like a very small man sometimes. Um, <laughs> we can say that as <laughs> as a uh, below That's average height men. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't give Lundberg credit. I feel like Lundberg would just be talking about the Knicks the entire time. Yeah, and look, then Tyrese we're allowed just... to talk shit about the Knicks. Robert Lundberg isn't. No. <laughs> That's the answer. Good job, Tyrese. You won something. Congrats. Um, all right, next we got a question from Vivek. Uh, he says, why is Tibbs refusing to incorporate any weak side or off-ball movement in his offense? Um, I could give you a grandiose answer because I'm just that brilliant with my X's and O's, but I'm actually just going to turn it to you and let you answer this one. Um, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I wish I had an answer. I don't know why because it's actually really frustrating to watch it. Um, we look every night like... I actually am stunned. I think we're like still average in offensive rating or something. Um, I got to check this real quick, but I think we're still average in offensive rating. And I honestly swear every night I watch this and I'm like, we look like the worst offensive team in the entire history of basketball right now. Um, And, you know, maybe that's an example of how fans lose perspective, but all right, looking at it right now, the Knicks are, Oh, no, no, we've come down. We're all the way down now. 20 in offensive rating. So, I mean, look, we started off so hot this year in terms of that, and now you're all the way down to 20. Like, I don't even want to go look at the splits. I don't, because I bet over the last 10 games, we're like the worst offensive basketball. Um, why does he not do it? I don't know. I, I wish I had a good answer because, you know, look, I don't, I'm not trying to give Evan Fournier a pass. He's been fucking awful this year. Um, I thought Kemba was bad. I'm not, I, I don't think these guys are like, like the entire issue with them isn't just that there's no movement and the coaching is a problem. And 
it's not all that. Like it, it's on them too. You know, Evan Porney is also just missing wide open shots. Not even close. He's also not boxing out or attempting to get rebounds or playing defense or generally looking like he gives a single flying fuck. Um, that's not about anything, but like, why does he not? I mean, if I was to say something, I, I would guess it's probably fair to say one, he's not the most creative basketball mind in the history of basketball. Um, but that being said, um, he is capable of like manufacturing a functional offense. And there are coaches who often can do more with less, less talent is easier to manage. Sometimes, uh, there's less expectation. Uh, guys are more willing to buy into more streamlined roles. Uh, you know, a Reggie Bullock versus an Evan Fournier, right? Um, these are, these are realities. Uh, Alfred Payton, who probably didn't deserve to play any, definitely didn't deserve to start at all, uh, versus a Kemba Walker, who has been a starter his entire career and has played basketball in a certain way. Um, so, you know, these are all, these are all things you have to consider. I think Tibbs might be a guy who just does more with less offensive talent because it's easier for him to get buy-in. Um, I, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I, I would say this. I do think that the Knicks and Tibbs probably need an offensive coordinator. Um, they probably need an assistant coach who is dedicated to doing offensive coordination. Um, I don't know if Johnny Bryant has that capability. Maybe he does. Maybe Tibbs is just not empowering him to because Tibbs has his own ideas of how he wants to do shit. I, that would be disappointing. But the Knicks were trying to hire Chris Finch at the start of last season to, to their staff, presumably to be an offensive coordinator. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that they simply just don't have a guy they feel comfortable throwing the keys to, uh, the proverbial keys to offensively as far as, you know, directing strategy and scheme and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know why he's chosen not to. I agree that it's a problem. Uh, and I also am not sure that it's a problem that is something he is going to be able to fix or any of the coaches that are on the staff are going to be able to fix simply based on their this organization's decision-making prior to last season uh, and what they tried to pursue on the coaching staff. So very long answer. I, I have no answer why. All I can tell you is I, I wish they would, and I wish they would get somebody who had a background in doing so. Yeah, I think I saw something today where the Knicks are like, towards the very bottom or you know around there of cutting, and that just seems see like it. a waste. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it's true. I mean, I, and I'm sure we'll get into this more later, but a lot of it probably comes from the center position and the lack of offensive ability that they have at that spot. And lack of screening they get from that mm -hmm. spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually looked this up the other day. I think I'm like increasingly convinced that NBA.com slash stats is a hoax. Like, I don't think it's real. I don't think any, I think half of the, um, some of the tracking data and the hustle stats, like I saw that the Knicks are, uh, they are low. I think they, they were like top 10 in screen assists. And they were like pretty high in box outs. And like, I just, I don't know. I don't know how these stats are ca calculated then because there's no fucking way anybody can watch this team and be like, well, that's a really good screening team. Or yes, they do a really good job of boxing out. 
I have no idea how these things are calculated or what counts for any of them. Um, because there's no way you can watch the Knicks this year and, and thought they were good at either of those things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as the offense goes, I, I, this is why I desperately wanted them to sign a big man that had a background of being good at screening. I had suggested Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, I don't, I, I honestly haven't watched the Lakers at all. I, I'm assuming he sucks. So maybe that was the wrong guy. But like, they definitely needed to get a big that could screen because there's so many, there's so many moments where you can just see the lack of just like utter kind of, I mean, ball handlers get no separation. They're right. When we run pick and roll. And it's, like, and it's not because they're not using the screens or that they can't penetrate. Like Derek Rose gets no separation. Do I believe that Derek Rose has no idea how to use a, a screen? I don't. I believe he does. And it's very frustrating to watch him not be able to get separation. It's very frustrating to watch. Uh, all our guards have to literally hold people's hands and, and kind of direct them to where they need to be to set a screen. And uh, it's also frustrating to watch how many of our bigs roll with zero intensity or purpose. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That That's... It's, it's beyond me. I don't think it's... It's very simple to say it's just Tibbs. Uh, I do think a lot of it is on Tibbs. Um, but it's hard to run weak side stuff if you just don't have guys that'll screen. And, uh, you know, some of that is the coach has to get them to screen. And some of that is, I'm positive that Kenny Payne has been telling Mitchell Robinson how to set screens forever. Nerlens Noel will never be able to set an effective screen in, in, in the game of basketball because he weighs about six and a half pounds. Um, and Todd Gibson is 79 years old. So, you know, these are your bigs. And yes, Seth Curry is great at screening. There are plenty of wings and guards who are good at screening. Quickly is a good screener, actually, in the Knicks. RJ Barrett is a willing screener. Um, but, Deuce you know, guys, I screen last night. Yeah, that guys need to, you know, and it's not just about setting screens either. I'll, I'll say this. That I've seen multiple design sets where RJ runs a cross screen uh, for Randall to come through to the other side of the post and get the pass. Randall cuts with no purpose, so the defender just can like kind of walk through the screen and stick with Julius. So it's 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 about cutting with purpose too, and it's about doing everything that they're doing offensively. They're not doing it with purpose, and that can be coaching, that can be on the players, that can be fucking seven thousand things. It it is a collective failure right now offensively. Uh, they're in a funk, and they need to stop depending on somebody catching fire to get them out of it. They need to get it together uh, and they need to work to it together. And Tibbs is definitely central to that uh, in terms of getting guys to buy in. And I, I would say this part of getting guys to buy in is holding people accountable. And I don't think he's done a good job of that this year. No. Uh, yeah. I would say that the, the two bigs for the Knicks uh, at the center position, not Taj because he's not ahead of them. They just remind me of children who have learned how to walk on stilts like they can't I, they just don't do a whole lot in terms of the the physicality of it so and i'm with you on that in terms of getting someone who can at least feel like they're they're more imposing uh, physically at least but um all right next we've got yeah, like i gotta say this like mitch yeah. put on all this weight and i feel like he's less physically imposing at everything than he was before that i mean i was watching i don't even watching I just saw a highlight of like Jared Allen stuffing someone at the rim. And it was like, I don't remember a single time this year 
where Mitch met somebody at the rim and just stuffed them. And that was a thing he did routinely all the time. And I'm not talking about a guard in pick and roll and he trails and he finds them and, and he catches up. And, and I'm not, no, I mean, like, like you're at the rim, you're waiting for them. And, and, and you, and, and you, you, you meet them and you fucking stuff the shit out of them. I haven't seen that once from this year. I, I, or at least not that I remember. I mean, maybe the last time I saw it was like when he fouled Pat Williams and Pat Williams, uh, you know, sucks. I'm sorry for his you know injury, but he got injured. He's out for the year now. Um, that, that's honestly the last time I remember that. Like, I really don't remember him waiting in anticipation at the rim and, and, and just contesting somebody. And like, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's actually kind of stunning. He's gotten worse as the season has gone along. Like he's legitimately gotten worse. I, and that's, it's mind boggling. I, I don't know. Watching him. It's like, I feel like, I don't, I, I feel like a family member has betrayed me when I watch him this year. <laughs> that's what I feel like. I've never been, I, th- I told presidents, but like, I've never gone from so in on a player to so out within two months. Uh, as I did this year with, as I have in the last two months with Mitchell Robinson, like he's just been, uh, it, it just, it drives me crazy. Welcome to the club yeah, for years. I was ridiculed for my hatred of Mitchell Robinson. And now <laughs> you see the light. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.